2: If you're going to get a tattoo, you might as well get a scripture verse, right? Whether it's putting a post-it on a mirror, whether it's taking an index card and putting it on your dashboard, whether it's wearing an armband, like, like this one just reminds me I'm a fisher of men. Whatever it is, find ways to focus in on the love of God. You're instantly drawn to think about these areas of disobedience in your life. And some of those are coming across your mind right now. Maybe it's in your thought life, or, or, or maybe it's what you're looking at with your eyes, or, or maybe it's your language and how you talk to people, or, or maybe it's things you're putting into your body or things you're doing with your body. And I could go on and on. There's areas of disobedience in your life, and you know it. I've long believed that a pastor doesn't need to remind us we're sinful. We know that. So what do you do? Well, that's what Scripture's all about. When we we find ourselves living outside of the guardrails of God's command, the only response is repentance and obedience. So today, if you don't get anything out of this message, if, if God, through His Holy Spirit, begins to speak into you right now and say, there are things in my life that are not okay, what do I do? Stop it. You repent. You turn from doing those things. Turn to God and begin to live in obedience. That's his desire. Live on purpose. Live with reverence. Live obediently. And then I love this. Live in light of the promises of God. So Moses, Moses says, hey, God's got a future for you. He's got a purpose and a plan. And that's true. He said, but you need to fear him. And that's true. And you need to do what he says. And that's true. Why? Why? Because He's going to send you into the land. And remember, the land for them was a specific place. The land for us is what Jesus called an abundant life, a fulfilling life. God still has a plan for you, a plan for your abundance, a plan for your fulfillment. So we want to live so that we may enjoy His promises (laughs) When I was growing up in that Baptist church, we would sing Standing on the Promises of Christ my King, and the organist would play it fast, and it would make us so happy, you would kind of be bouncing as you sang it, because you're thinking about the promises of God are applicable to me. I benefit from what God promises in my life. Are you standing on the promises of God? (laughs) All around me, you see the colors of the rainbow. What does this stand for? Does this just simply remind us that we're all diverse and we all can be accepted no matter how we live or no matter what we do and we should find pride in that? Not biblically. That's not what this means. That would go against everything we've been saying. The rainbow is simply a reminder of God's promise. What's his promise? The promise is that in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of how bad we are, in spite of what we deserve, he makes a way for the people of, of, of his first creation. He did that by promising never to flood the earth again. Do you remember what happened? God looked down on his creation. He saw that all of mankind was sinful except for a righteous man named Noah. So he told Noah, you gather up anybody that will come you preach righteousness, you get anybody to come in and I'll save them. But those that don't come in and and listen to the word that God has sent to you, they're going to be destroyed by a flood. And that's exactly what happened. The world was destroyed by a flood. But after that, in Genesis 9, the Bible says that God said, I'm giving you a sign in my covenant with you and with all the living creatures for all generations to come. I've placed a rainbow in the clouds. It's the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. And when I send the clouds over the earth, The rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy life. See, this rainbow, it doesn't remind us that we can do anything we want. It reminds us that we can't, but that God did something so that even when we blow it, even when we mess up, even when we do things our way, He makes a way. When I was driving home from a wonderful wedding celebration yesterday evening, I was uh, driving east and I looked up in the sky and that day that was rainy and sunny and rainy and sunny and rainy and sunny, just like every summer Florida day. And I saw that rainbow and I was just so grateful. God, thank you for your promises. It's a covenant. God's given us his word. But this is the better news. For us, it's expanded beyond the rainbow We don't have just the rainbow we can look to and remember God. We can look to the cross. Because in Hebrews chapter 13, it tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ is the covenant of God, that He takes our punishment, that we deserve for sin if we'll simply look to Him. God will enact His judgment over sinful people, but He gives us a way out. Don't misunderstand His promises and His blessings. His promises and his blessings are never based on what you do. The blessings you enjoy are not the result of what you do, they are always the result of something that God has done. For those early created beings, it was Him giving the rainbow. For us, it's Jesus demonstrating His love in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So, how do we live? We live on purpose, we live with reverence, we live obediently, and we live in the promises of God that should encourage you today. But that's not all this passage teaches us. The Bible teaches how we should live, and then the Bible teaches us how we should love. Look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today, and they shall be on your heart. Notice that these verses, just like a verse just before them, begins with "hear." Notice when Jesus was asked a great commandment, he said, here. If you were Jewish or you are from a Jewish background, you know that this is the Shema. That's how that's translated in the Hebrew language. This is a prayer that even today is prayed every day, morning and evening, by the Jewish people. It's a prayer that reminds them of who God is and the need we have to hear from him every day. But guess what? We have that need as well. When's the last time you've heard from God? Do you slow down enough to let him speak into your life? So some of you say, "God God never speaks to me." Well, let me give you an insider's tip. Just open the book and read his word, and he'll speak. You say, I want to hear him speak out loud. Just open the book and read his words out loud, and God will speak to you. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. the barnabas effect that will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online thanks again for listening to the barnabas effect today and now we continue with our message Spend time in prayer, yes, making your petitions known to the Lord. I love that God's Word tells us to do that. Be anxious for nothing, it says, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, uh, make your request known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I love that, but don't stop making your petitions. Slow down enough to listen and hear what He might have to say. Because He is the one that can speak into your life. They were so convinced of this that when you see it translated, the Lord your God is one, the word that we have in English, the Lord, man, the Hebrew people were so afraid even to just write this out that when they would write Yahweh or Jehovah, they would leave out the vowels because of the holiness of that name. It's a tetragram. For Jehovah or Elohim or the Lord. They were saying, The Lord is our God. The Lord alone is our God. But then they would say, The Lord alone is our God. Now that's significant because Jesus reminded us of that when he taught us to pray. Remember, he gathered the disciples, they asked him to teach them how to pray, and Jesus said, Okay, when you pray, begin this way. What? Our Father. See, throughout His Word, God wants us to remember that we're in this together. There are no long-ranger Christ followers. We need each other. We're we're better together. In order to live like God's commands, we choose to love one another. In a couple weeks, we'll talk about loving that way. But we need to hear what God is saying if we want to live and love the way He intends. Now he's got our attention. hero O Israel. We have the right perspective. How do we love? Look at verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? What did Jesus say? Mark twelve thirty. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Now, you could break those down. You could say in Deuteronomy, when it talks about our heart, that's with our understanding, with all that we understand, we're to love God. When it talks about our soul, that's our willful understanding. So, with our volition of our will, with our choices, we are to love God. You know, with, with our, our body, our, our strength, or our might, that, that's our physical, our, our lives. Well, that's true, but really, don't make it that complicated, because Jesus even added a fourth word. What is he saying? He's saying, just love me with all of you. Let all of you love all of me, and we'll be on the same page. So, this is the easiest biblical principle you could try to understand. And yet it seems like it's the hardest to live out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your strength, with all your might. Occasionally, someone will come to me, or I'll hear through the grapevine, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go somewhere else. we just, we need to make a change." And sometimes, uh, pastor, people will say to me, uh, "You know, it's just not deep enough." And I'm thinking, "You're right, because I'm not deep enough. I, I can't even get the great commandment down. I'm still working on this one. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you've got it." But my problem, and I think our problem is, we don't love God with our all. We love Him with little compartments. So I love Him with my Sunday morning compartment. And some of you, you even got that down. You get a 10 out of 10. You'll raise your hand. You'll shed a tear. You feel the holy goosebumps. Or maybe you'll love Him with all your heart when you're around your church friends. But then you got compartments where you're just not willing to give to Him. I'm not... I'm not willing to give him my work heart. I mean, that might get me in trouble. Those people might see me. If I'm a teacher, I can't give him my classroom. Or if I'm a student, I can't give him my classroom heart because they might kick me out of school, right? i got to be undercover. I can't give him my financial heart. I mean, good night. What will happen then? I can't give him all of my schedule. And i got things I need to do. I'm I'm not going to give him my family. You see how easy it is just to compartmentalize? And here's what happens. We can be active in church. We can open our Bibles. We can have a daily quiet time. We can sing the songs with the best of them. And then something happens. We're tempted. And we can't fight the temptation because we've got so many separated compartments in our life. We've not given God our all. And he wants all of you. He wants every part of you. When you get this right, you're focused on Him. You're fixated on Him. But again, my my job's not to make you feel bad. It's to help you look to Jesus. And, and so what do you do if, you, if you're sitting there and go, Good night, Pastor. You're right what do I do? I've got these compartments. I don't want to be that way. I want to give God my all. Well, what we're learning in this passage is that the Bible teaches us how we should live, and the Bible teaches us how we should love, but when we're missing out, when we don't have it downright, the Bible also teaches us how we should learn. I don't know about you, but I want to be a lifelong learner. I'm so thankful that though I'm not there yet, I'm still under construction. I I'm really grateful that man, whether it be as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor, man, though I've blown it in the past, I'm I'm trying to be better by His grace and for His glory. So what do you do if, if you want that? Look at the passage once more. Verse 6. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And, and they shall be like frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What is he saying? Well, that's really applicable for us because even though we're meeting in a gathering of the saints called church, The reality, he's saying, is that God's design is that the love of God begins in the home. He's saying to the children of Israel, hey, if you want to get this right, you've got to learn. This is a daily discipline that begins right where you live. Parents, man, maybe that's the most important lesson you can learn. It's your spiritual duty to ensure the discipling. And the nourishment spiritually of your children in the things of God. I'm so grateful for what happens through a church gathered. Man, weeks like vacation Bible school are life changing. Many of you here came to Christ through a vacation Bible school or a student camp or a special event. But the reality is, we must not limit our child's spiritual growth to only the things they learn in church. You are to be the one that helps disciple them. You are to be the one who helps them grow spiritually. But again, I know the challenge. You're you're thinking, I don't know how to do it, Paul. I don't feel equipped. What is Scripture saying? It's saying, okay, you do whatever it takes to make this the main thing in your life so that you will be equipped and you can carry out this God-ordained responsibility in your little corner of the world. I want you to think about something. We've said this is God's Word. If God's Word is truth, that means that you as parents, you as grandparents, have the ability to initiate a generational shift that can alter the spiritual direction of your family's destiny. Just think about that. And I look out and some of you are the product of that. You don't come from a religious background. You don't come from a church or Christ-following family, and yet the Holy Spirit of God convicted you of your sin. You were drawn into a relationship with Him through Jesus, and now your destiny has changed, and your children's destinies are changed. But the same thing can be true on the reverse. If we don't take this responsibility seriously, those of us like me who may have grown up with a godly heritage, If we don't prioritize this, if the Lord is not all in our lives, then we should not expect our children to prioritize things they watched us marginalized. So how do you learn this? This is simple, and then I want to pray with you. Moses outlines it. First, you just got to teach the love of God. So whether you're talking about to yourself, to your children or grandchildren, to people around you, teach the love of God. It's as simple as this. Look for teachable moments. Live in such a way that you're intentional. That that people around you know, man, I love God more than anything else. Teach the love of God. Well, how do you do that? He kind of amplifies it. He says, just talk about it. Talk about the love of God daily in your life. Just look for opportunities to talk about God. Do you do that? When, when you're out to eat, do you look for opportunities just to demonstrate that God is Lord of all in your life? It's not hard. Maybe you're going to go to lunch. Just do something like this. Ask your waitresses or waiter's name and just say, hey, in just a minute, we have a custom. We pray over our food. We believe God blesses that. I just wonder, is there anything going on in your life that we can pray for today? Most of the time, People I've never met said say something like, sure, my mom's battling cancer, or yeah, I'm going through a tough time, or could you pray for my schooling? What do they see? They just see that I'm willing to talk about how much God loves us. Are you? Do the people in your corner of the world even know That you care or profess to care about the love of God? Teach the love of God. Talk about the love of God. And then tattoo tattoo the love of God wherever you can. All right, I realize what some of you are doing. Some of you grew up real legalistic and strict. And I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. And when you hear the word tattoo, it gives you kind of, you just begin to jerk around. What am I saying? Well, I'm just taking a little liberty from what Moses said. And I'm saying, put this command to love God everywhere you're going to think about it. I'm not condemning or condoning your tattoo. But if you're going to get a tattoo, might as well get a scripture verse, right? But I know this, whether it's putting a post-it on a mirror, whether it's taking an index card and putting it on your dashboard, whether it's wearing an armband, like, like this one just reminds me, I'm a fisher of men. Whatever it is, find ways to focus in on the love of God. So for the children of Israel, Moses gave a specific way. He said, I I want you to take these little boxes called phylacteries, and I want you to either put it on your left forearm or on your forehead. And in that box, I want you to write on a scroll, inscribe on the scroll the command, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then every time you look down at your arm or or every time somebody sees that or you feel that on your forehead, you're reminded that this is the main thing. Get this right above everything else. Don't talk about how spiritual you are or how many Bible verses you know if you're not serious about loving the Lord your God with all you've got. And then he said, if that's not enough, I want you to take these little boxes. They're called mezuzahs. And you put them, it's Jewish people still today, here in Temple Terrace, where there's a whole street full of uh, of Jewish folks right near one of the synagogues. And if you go, I guarantee you, right under their doorbell, you're going to see a mezuzah. You know what's in it? A little scroll. You know what's inscribed on that scroll? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's just saying, whatever it takes, do what it takes to get this right. So how are you doing with the greatest love of all? Because this is what it is. It's more important than what your retirement fund is going to be. And Lord, help us there. It's more important than where your children are going to go to college or to sports teams they're not going to be on in spite of the fact that you missed church to keep them there. It's more important than who you're going to marry. It's the greatest love of all. Are you living in light of God's love? Are you loving like he commands? And are you committed this day in and day out? Man, I'm 53. Here's what I know. And I hope at 54 I love him better than I do today. Whitney got it wrong but part of it she did get right the greatest love of all it is inside of you because you're loving God from the inside out that's what I want for you the greatest love of all let's bow our heads together Now every time we gather as a church corporately to worship, most people that gather at least profess to follow Christ. So I want to speak to you first. What did the Holy Spirit of God say you need to adjust in your life?
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com.